Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Lisa McNeely. My pronouns are she and her. I'm your host for Spotlight on Recruiting. Thank you, um, our listeners, for joining us. Our show today is What Are the Common Questions Business Owners Have About Recruiting? We're going to be diving into these questions and providing answers, tips, and best practices. Um, So I am really excited that our leading lady today is the co-founder and CEO of Connected Women of Influence, the one, the only, and fabulous (laughs) Michelle Berkowitz. Um, So Michelle also hosts her own radio show, Women Leading the Way, um, and it's here also on Women Lead Radio. Um, The show is about women taking charge, navigating successful careers, and building business enterprises. So I would encourage all of the listeners to check that out if you haven't already. Um, So Michelle, I'm so honored to have you on the show today. So thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you. And I'm excited to turn the tables upside down. So this is fun for me as well. I get to interview you, our host. (laughs) Right, yeah, no, so our format of the show today is a little bit different. So usually, um, I'm the one asking the questions, but as Michelle stated, um, I'm going to be the one on the hot seat, as Michelle's going to be asking me the questions. So she's going to see if I'm worth my salt, I guess. Um, (laughs) So, so again, we're going to be discussing common questions business owners have about recruiting. Uh, so, Michelle, I'm going to turn it over to you, um, and then we'll we'll take a bit of a sponsor break in the middle. But, Michelle, go ahead. Fire away. I'm ready. Let's go. I love it. You just let me know when we're taking that sponsor break. But what I'm excited about, Lisa, is there's so many business owners that have no strategy about recruiting. So this is exciting to me as a topic. And I think one of the first questions that I hear from so many business owners all the time, you know, they're struggling of how to replicate and duplicate, and when is it? that they should think about hiring. You know, I mean, it's that proverbial, I'm too busy to hire, I'm too busy to recruit. You know, when is it a good time for a business owner to hire? Well, I think, um, you know, I think it's a really great question because I think the question is, um, do I need to hire a full-time person? Do I need to hire a part-time person? Or is this a project that I can actually just hire someone like on a contingent basis? Um, So I think it's looking at, you know, where are their challenges? What is the struggle that they're having? Um, is it um, they're not completing projects on time? Um, or is it a specific project? For example, um, like you're designing a website. Okay, do you need to hire a graphic designer? Um, maybe, because if you're thinking of, I'm doing my website, but I also want someone to do social media, and I also want, um, you know, the list goes on and on, Um, can you support hiring a a full-time employee um, versus, you know, I'm just trying to get my website done. And if that's the case, you know, you can always go to any of those, um, you know, there's uh, Elance, it's Upwork now, it was formerly Elance, but Upwork, you could use a Fiverr, you could go to FlexJobs. I mean, you can do a whole lot of things as far as contingent workforce. 
But I think, you know, when you're looking at do I need to hire, um, there's, I think as, a, as I'm thinking of like a small business owner um, and just some of the clients that I've worked with in the past, a lot of times what it is is they, um, they want to grow and scale. And I think when you start as a business owner, you try to take it all on yourself, right? But as you start to Absolutely. grow, you can't, be, yeah, you can't be the everything in your business. Um, and we're not the experts in everything either. Um, and I think at that point, as you're looking to grow and scale, that's at the point where you should probably be saying, do I need to have support? Is it a part-time? Is it a full-time? Um, and I think one of the most common um, recruiting mistakes that is made is really rushing into hiring without really identifying what the role entails. A lot of times I'll have conversations with hiring leaders or business owners that say, I, I just need to hire. I, I just need help. Well, that's great, but that, you can't put that advertisement out there like, I just need help. Um, you really need to, you know, kind of look at, like, what is it that this person's going to be doing? Can you give, I want to go a little deeper on that question, because that is something that business owners really sometimes struggle with. They've got, like, okay, part marketing, part administrative, part chief of everything, right? And they, they wrap it into one do-everything type of role. Like, what advice would you give business owners to try to plan and prepare for that before they decide they're going to hire? Or is that something that's in the scope of what you see? And, you know, because it's, it's, no. they need to get yeah. organized, but how do they do that? How do they find the yeah. right, no. you know, dial into that position? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think you can't start any recruiting until you've answered those questions. Um, and I think it, it makes it easier for everyone involved. Um, just taking that time up front, whether that's like your team, the candidate, you know, yourself, um, so I think it's, you know, really it's documenting what the role is, um, and I'm going to use some HR terms here, but we really call them KSAs, and it's like, what are the knowledge that this person needs to have? What are the skills they need to have? And what are the abilities that are required to be successful in the role? Um, and so I think, you know, the first step is like identifying that role and creating what is your job description. Now, there is a difference between a job description and a job posting or job ad. Okay, so I'm talking job description. This is like the document that's gonna say, um, here are all of the things that this person's doing, these are the skills I need, these are the knowledge, knowledge I need, and here is their abilities that they need to have. Um, and um, I think there's you know, four things like when you're scoping out this role to consider. Um, you know, one, what is the goal of the role? Um, what does this person need to accomplish daily, monthly, and quarterly? Okay, so this way you're, you're honing in versus an everything person to like really, really what do I need them to do? Um, number two, we talked about this, is like what is the knowledge, skills, and abilities that they need to have to accomplish those goals or those tasks? Um, again, trying to stay focused. Um, mm -hmm. And then how does the role fit into the organization? How are they interacting with others? So who are they reporting to? Are they gonna have direct reports? Do they have stakeholders they're working with? Um, that's gonna help you when you're actually engaging that candidate because they wanna know, like a lot of times from a candidate's perspective, they wanna know that the impact that they're bringing to the organization, so thinking of these things ahead of time is gonna help you in attracting them. Um, and then the fourth thing is, and this comes kind of to that abilities, is, um, mm -hmm. you know, what are the conditions of employment? 
Um, what are their hours of work? Is this going to be like an eight-to-five job? Is it an hourly job? Is it a salary job? Um, what's the work structure? Um, is it part-time, full-time? Um, do you have flexible hours? Um, you know, how are you going to pay this person? What's the method of payment? What are the benefits? Um, you know, what are the growth opportunities and advancements? Um, and I think all of these things um, will help you, like, put that job description together. There's other things, you know, yeah. you have to consider. And I think, like, that is, like, abilities. Like, is this person going to have to drive a car? Um, do they have to go up and down a ladder? Um, so all of those things have to be considered when, you know, you're prior to looking for your candidate because you're going to want to have those documented um, of right. what they actually need to have. I kind of went stuff. on a tangent there. Stuff. Sorry about that. Wow. No, no. It's like one question leads to all of that. I mean, it's so much, I'm so much organized now, and I think all of our listeners are feeling the same way. I had no idea. Um, you know, okay, so now you're ready. You kind of have the position, the description, like you said, and wow, I love that three acronym kind of like stuff that you laid out. But when it comes to attracting or finding the right people for your business, I think for a lot of business owners it's just, it, it, it's so many different ways you could go. So talk about how do you attract and then obviously find the right people for your business. That yeah. Was a tough yeah. One. yeah, no. So I think, you know, um, uh, that we had kind of touched on it before is your job description. Um, that is um, the foundation of the role, right? Which I should say this to some great resources just for some of our listeners in the U.S., so the U.S. Department of Labor has job descriptions already written, by the way, by category. Um, so it's a great tool um, for um, gathering um, both uh, details of a job and then also wage and salary information. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, so the job so the job ad is exactly what that is. This is something that you're using to attract your candidates. Um, the most common mistake made is um, – creating really, really long job ads. So think of it this way. If you were, I try to tell the tale of like, you know, if you're, um, so as a hiring leader or a recruiter or a business owner, someone looking at a resume, how much time do you spend looking at a resume, Michelle? Oh, hardly at all. I'm, that's that, my honest hardly, answer. Hardly yep. Yeah, hardly <laughs> at all. It's seven seconds. It's like seven seconds. Um, and so for me as a recruiter, um, so what I have is I look at a resume and I spend about seven seconds on it. And then if there's something that catches my eye, then I will go into more detail on it and spend a little bit more time because now it's like someone I'm like, ooh, this might be good. Let me spend a little more time. Okay, so flip that. Your candidates are doing the same thing. If they're an active candidate looking for roles, they're looking at a whole lot of job postings and they're spending very little time. So you need to be attract, as attractive as you can, and having a really long job description is not going to be beneficial to, or job ad, I should say, is not going to be beneficial to you. Um, the other thing is when you're thinking of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and Michelle, I know we've talked about this before, um, but mm -hmm. if you have, you know, 12 qualifications listed, women will need to hit all 12 of those before they apply, whereas a man will apply even if they don't meet 100% of the qualifications. So the more qualifications you're putting in there, the less chance that you're going to actually attract women to the job ad. Um, and so I think as far as 
um, you know, thinking of like what you're going to put in the job ad. Um, there's, again, I'm just, I, I like to bullet things out or, you know, so that's how my brain works. But one, you need to have your job title. It needs to be a known job title. Don't get creative here. What are people searching on? Um, and, you know, what is the title? You don't want to be like, you know, master guru and, um, that kind of came out like early internet and you still see that. Um, but <laughs> you don't want to do that. Let, you know, you want to do, cause nobody's searching on that. They're not doing master guru salesperson. You know, they're doing, you know, right. I'm a salesman or their salesperson, you know, so you don't want to be creative there. Um, you want to do your introduction and this is really is making a strong statement and asking a bold question. Um, so what I like to do in mine is I like to ask a question that like, you know, for example, do you, um, do you love creating content? Do you love writing? So now I've actually engaged, like if I'm looking for a social media person or a content writer, they already like, yeah, yeah, I do. I love that. Let me read on. Um, and then, you know, about us statement, this doesn't need to be long. Um, it really, what it should be is just what the mission of your company is in a concise way you know, identify like maybe three company values because we had, as I had said before, candidates are attracted by how they can make an impact to the business, but then also how is the business impacting, you know, um, you know, the world or, you know, the businesses that they serve or the community that they serve. Um, so just very concise and brief. Um, and then the role itself, and this is where you're talking to the job seeker. So you should say not the qualified candidate. It should be, you know, you as a job seeker um, in more than we as the company. So you want to be brief and share just what's most important to the job seeker as far as what the role is. Um, and this, you know, again, should be like three bullet points. Really um, good Do you have questions? Okay. So, yeah. So I'm gonna, I, I've got to pause for a minute and see if you have like – because there's, there's a couple more things you want to include in there, but I wanted to see if you had questions sorry. before I go no, on. No, I'm sorry. just taking it all in because I'm like, this strategy I, I've not heard before as a business owner. So I hope all of our listeners are going, oh, my, I had no idea. So keep going. Okay, okay, good. So then the next part is going to be the join us. And what the join us is, is this is where you're going to excite your job seeker. Um, you're going to share how this opportunity not improves the business owner's life, how it improves their professional life. And this is what we had talked about, like the impact that they're bringing to the business. So um, what, and think about the question when you're writing your, this ad is, why would great talent want to work in this role for your organization? That's what it is. Um, and then, Lisa, um, would that be things? Yes. Lisa, would that be things that you would put like it's the type, but the type of work environment? It's you know you have like some, I mean you're a remote worker or not, or are those that what you would do in that yes. part of yes, the description? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Yep, absolutely. This because you want to do like yeah, you're, you think about like and you know and and I think it you know sometimes we overthink things, right? Um, is what would you want to know? Um, if you didn't know anything about an organization and you were applying for a job, what information would you want to know? What's going to impact you? And I think it's just thinking in that perspective is going to help you, um, you know, in creating or crafting that job ad. Um, and, you know, and then the last thing is going to be your minimum qualifications. And these are your qualifications are the absolute must-haves. 
This is not a list of nice to have, um, and it shouldn't be more than six bullets. It should be six bullets or less. Any more than that is too much. They're not going to read them anyway um, unless, you know, they're female, and then they're going to read all of them, and then they're not going to apply. So, um, so that's your job ad in a nutshell. Job title, introduction, about us, tell me about the role, why should I want to work at the company, um, and what um, skills am I bringing to your company that you need. Great stuff. Okay. I, I think we need to take a quick sponsor break here. I'm going to yeah, refer over to you for that, and then we'll come back. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to um, just, uh, as Michelle said, take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. So Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. All right, Michelle, back. Let's Yay. get back to it. What else do you have? I know we've the good I, stuff. I, kind of, I got I a think ton. We've gone so far. Yeah. Oh my God. No, we still have so much. Because you know, I'm I'm really curious, and I'm going to skip around a little bit just because. Okay, if we put out the job description and we're organizing what the individual is going to do that we're recruiting, then how does before that happens, though, a business owner really should look at like what is how do you determine what to pay for a job function, a job position before you put out the advertisement? Is there a way I to kind of a, decide yeah, what you're going to pay? There is. Yeah. So, what so I think, you know, it's a, it's a little bit, um, so it's, it's, it's really benchmarking and looking for information. So um, as I had told, like the U S department of labor. Um, so there's, um, and this is for us, sorry. Um, but the, the strategies would be the same and the tools will be different, like for global. Um, but for us, you can go to the U S department of labor and, um, uh, there's a site it's called ONET, ONET. It's actually O star net, the little star asterisk. Um, and <laughs> there you can actually look up job family and specific roles. Um, they're going to provide data on um, salary, the number of employees in the field. You can look at state and local. Um, and the nice thing about this is um, you can narrow it by what the job is um, and by zip code. Um, and they actually are pulling the salary information from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, which you can also oh. go directly to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics to find wage data. Um, as well, based on occupation and location. So they'll do a national, they'll do it by state, then they can also do it by local. Um, but they're usually, the data is about a year behind because they have to collect the data um, and then put it in. So then the next step is you want to really like benchmark what other companies are paying. The nice thing is nowadays, um, uh, there's transparency as far as salary ranges. So you can actually just go and look at other job postings um, for, you know, what, who your, what your competitors are paying, basically. If your competitors are, um, have jobs open, you can look and see what their salary ranges are. Um, you can also, there's other tools and things like a Glassdoor or, um, you know, LinkedIn. Um, they're also pulling wage information, um, but the wage information that they're pulling is actually coming from 
you know, uh, employees or candidates, job seekers. So you can't rely that it's 100% accurate. Um, so, but it, it can give you at least a benchmark. And that's kind of what you're trying to do is like just benchmark. I know that, you know, for some of them that I've done for my clients is I, you know, I just call people that I know in the field. Um, I look at job postings. I go to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics. I do the ONET. Um, and then if it's such a niche job, which can happen, um, you can also go to something like a salary.com. Um, you know, you, I, you can pull a report that they'll pull all the data for you. And it's, I think it's like, I don't even know how much it is, but it's like 250 275 And they'll pull a whole report for you on um, the salary information. Um, and does it, so, Lisa, yeah, does so it dig ways. into kind of a regional place or like, I mean, San Diego versus, let's say, yes. New York or, you know, the mm -hmm. South? I mean, there's just such different pay ranges. It, exactly. It down no, there deep? is. Okay. Yeah. So you have, yeah, because you really have like, you know, you have your high cost of living areas and then you have your low cost of living areas. So depending on, you know, if, you know, like, you know, for the organizations, some that I support, you know, they're globally based and sometimes they'll have roles that are like, hey, I don't care. This person can be anywhere in the U.S. Um, so, you know, those ones, your ranges are going to be really big because, you know, they're including that low cost. They're putting the low of the low and the high of the high. So the range is going to be really big. Um, but if you're pulling these reports or you're going to, you know, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, they're going to do it by region. And every country mm -hmm. has this, by the way, because I've used the same thing when I've done roles in the U.K. because we didn't know what to pay. It was a startup, and we're like, what are we going to pay in the U.K.? Um, and it was really, you know, just doing the research and going to their same, same principles apply, going and looking at their labor statistics, you know, benchmarking against other organizations um, to find that information. Michelle, you still there? So I seem to lost Michelle. I'm not hearing her. So um, I'm going to keep talking, Michelle, because I'm not hearing you. So I'm just going to go, because I know we have a few minutes left. Um, and so I'm just going to, I know that one of the things that Michelle was really interested in asking was. Um, I'm back, Lisa, uh, by the you, way. And it's like, oh, um, I love there when, yeah, it's always fun when technology works. So, hey, here we are. We're just <laughs> doing it. But I know I, I'm going to jump in on my question because this one's a really important one for business owners is that the length of time that is an average of what it takes to hire. And then also, like, how many interviews do candidates go through? Because I know for me, I've always decided, like, on the first interview. But I know other business owners and colleagues, they'll take people through two, three interactions, some committee, some one-on-one -on -one, as far as the interviews. Is that something you can share with yep. I hope that was going to be your next question you were going to answer. So yeah, I yeah, apologize yeah, no, that's for great. dropping no, that's out. Great. So, um, yeah, no, you're good. So I think for um, it really depends on what the role is, okay, So um, and the level of the role. So if you're, it's an entry-level position, I think like one interview is probably going to be just fine. Um, you, you don't, um, you know, as a business owner, you should be able to decide if this person is going to be a good person or not. Um, one of the things I will say for interviewing is um, I think as far as, you know, just from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, 
you should be asking every candidate the same questions. So you, before, uh, when you're developing those questions and thinking about your questions, um, again, it's going back to what is the challenges, what are, you know, what does success look like, um, and those are how you're going to be creating the questions that you're asking your candidates, and you should be asking the same ones of all of the candidates. It should not be just, you know, wherever, you know, it takes you at that time. Now, obviously, if they answer, uh, give a answer and you want to dig into that, that's fine, but your basic questions should all be the same. Um, so as far as the number of good. interviews, so yeah, so I would say one interview is good. Um, the higher it goes up as far as like level of the role or more experienced roles, um, I would say no more than four interviews. No more. Because what happens is you start doing more than that, then the candidate's basically just regurgitating the same information because you, the people are asking really the same questions, um, you know, mm. as far as, um, and so, like, tell me about, you know, your background. And so it's just a regurgitation. So you're not really learning that much. And then from a candidate perspective, it's just not a great candidate experience. It drags out the recruiting process. You, work, you risk losing them if they're active in the market to someone else. Um, so I would say no more than four is probably industry standard. Um, and I will say the length of your interview, I mean, it can vary. I have some leaders that it could be 45 minutes to an hour. I have some leaders that it's 15 minutes to 30 minutes. Um, and also, as you're thinking about those stages of interviews, um, so typically in a corporate setting, um, my hiring leader, it'd be me. I talk to him first. My hiring leader talks to them. And then they may have um, like a stakeholder that's working with them um, interview. Um, and it might be a 30 minute, 30 minute, maybe they do another 30 minute. And then that final interview might be with that hiring leader's boss. And it's like 15 minutes because they've already done a lot of due diligence and that, you know, the leader's leader is like, hey, I trust that you've already done everything. Mine is just kind of the, the final yes or no. Um, right. The one call out I will say is a lot of times um, they'll want to bring in this person's colleagues. Um, who um, they'll be working with directly, same level, um, or sometimes um, their direct reports that are going to. Um, I mm -hmm. caution on that because if you're going to have them interview, if they don't have a yes or no um, ability, then don't have them interview. You can have them talk to the person after you've made the hire to make that introduction. But if you're just trying to do it so that they can get to know them, um, you're taking it, – it, it's, it's adding another um, interview from the candidate's perspective. Plus, I think it's um, for, your, for your employee base. Um, if you're telling them, well, your opinion doesn't matter, um, then, you know, that's not the signal you want to send. So if, as you're thinking about, like, putting that recruiting structure process together, um, you have to say, if, if my, this colleague or their direct report says no, am I really not going to hire this person if I love them? So that's mm. my watch out. I think those are good. And, you know, in our time, I'll, this is a really important question because I'm like, all this that a business owner needs to go through for recruiting. So here's the kind of wrap-up one is when does it really, because it sounds like it makes a lot of sense, um, but when does it make sense and what are the benefits to going through and using an agency? Because this sounds like a lot of work for a business owner when they're already busy, they're trying to hire people. Like, does it make sense? When does it make sense to use an agency? 
Um, so I think there's a couple of things that I have on agency, right? So um, I think there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, so one, um, you know, there's different types of agency. There's a contingent and retained agency. Um, a retained agency is you pay them a percentage up front, um, uh, and you pay them um, that percentage. They'll start working on the role when they hire, when you actually hire, then you will pay. So typically it could be spread out as a 50-50 or a third, a third, a third, um, but you're basically paying them 30% of the compensation, salary compensation for that role. So just to make math easy, it's a $100,000 role. You're going to pay the, the search firm $30,000 for placing, for finding and helping you hire that person. Um, a contingent, um, and you pay for retained, you pay that percentage, the, you know, whether it's a half or a third up front, no matter if they find someone or not, you're paying that. Um, the benefits of that is typically they, um, they're not going to take on a role that they don't feel they can hire because it's bad business. Um, and they usually are dedicated in that field. Um, we're not going to have time to go into it, but I have a list of like questions to ask as far as um, if you're looking into an agency. Um, so maybe that's topic for another show. Um, yes, the contingent, I think that's a great so idea. So a contingent. Yeah, so contingent, they will, they will work on the role, um, and you only pay them um, if they identify a person. And, again, it's 30% generally um, is about industry standard. Um, the hard thing with contingent is it's great because you don't have to pay anything um, up front. Um, the harder thing is, is for contingent, sometimes they'll take on roles, and I'm not saying this of all contingent, so that's my caveat here, but sometimes they'll take on <laughs> roles because they may find that, like, one, you know, purple squirrel that's out there that they're like, hey, I've got this great Canada. I just don't have a place to put them. Um, and so, but if it's, if it's a really hard role, they'll take it on, but they really won't work on it. Um, and it'll be they kind of do the post and pray because it's so niche. They're like, we don't want to put the manpower into it that we could, but we might mm -hmm. get lucky. Um, and so you kind of can run into that. But, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that all contingents not that, that way because it's not. Um, but just in my experience working in corporate, um, you know, uh, we've used, I've used retained and I've used contingent. Um, and so there's pros and cons to both of them. Um, you know, I think it's, really, you know, asking that question of, like, you know, what industries are in, when's the last time they filled that job, um, do they already have candidates, how soon do you think they're going to provide candidates to you? Okay, so now I've given that. So the alternative <laughs> is basically what my business does, Spotlight Recruiting, and what we do is we're not, um, we work almost as a, we're, we're, we are retained because you do pay us up front, um, however, um, our fees are less because you're basically paying us per project or based on um, uh, time. And because we have been doing things for so long, I can pretty much, you know, because I've been in the business 20 years, we know based on a role um, how long about it's going to take us because we know the data. We know where to get the data. How many people are in this role in the location you're looking at? Um, and so we can actually, we save our clients about half what they would pay a, search firm oh, wow. um, just using our model. So, and there's, 
So there's a lot of them out there, um, and you know it's um, it's basically using contingent or contractual recruitment or a recruitment process outsourcing is another kind of key term that you can look for. Um, so there's alternatives as far as just going to agency. Um, agency is great, um, and there's reasons for using it, and I get it. Um, but there is alternatives that can co- that can give you a cost savings as well. My God, you're so full of information, Lisa, and I'm thinking we need to <clears throat> turn the tables on the recruiting part more often because this is really great. We just need to unpack more of you for the show, and I think we're at the point where this is the end of our show, girl. This was great. It, Good it stuff. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, get, well, thanks, Michelle, so much. It was kind of fun to, I guess, be on the hot seat. I was a little nervous to throw it. a curveball in there and really try to throw <laughs> me off, but, um, but thank you so much. You so that is – Michelle, that that is our show for today, and and thank you again. Um, So great to have you, and I'm so honored. Um, And so I want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally. You can listen to more Women Lead Radio on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio show each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. The next Spotlight on Recruiting will be Monday, April 24th. And to all of our listeners, Go forth and hire and make me proud. Have a great day. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.